3: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
4: Welcome in. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Tuesday edition of the program. We have got a bevy of stories to dive in with all of you. Panic continuing to grow around Joe Biden and the idea that he is actually going to be the nominee a year from now as he prepares to turn 81 years old, and we've got a clip of him. He can't even talk to the Vegas Golden Knights, I believe is the name of the NHL franchise, out in Las Vegas without sounding like a buffoon. We'll play that in a bit. But thesis for you right off the top, Buck. I think much of the discussion surrounding the Republican primary has shifted from who's the best bet to beat Biden to Biden is so bad, we just need someone who is willing to be a fighter against all of the rig job that we know is going to be in, in effect, and actual electability has turned into a secondary storyline because Biden is so weak. Would you buy that? Like if we were talking in November of last year, right after the midterms, I would have said at this point as we get ready for Iowa, The number one argument that's going to be being made in the Republican primary is who is the most electable. That is the argument that Democrats had in 2020 as they tried to select their nominee to beat Donald Trump. It's who can beat Trump. I think Biden is so weak, Buck, that much of the conversation now is less about who can beat Biden, because I think a lot of you out there listening think and agree with me That Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and I think even Vivek, all of the leading candidates right now would beat Biden. And so the electability angle right now is not center stage as we approach Iowa. You buy it?
5: Well, you you can see how they're positioning this already. Um, there are a couple of different ways they're approaching the Biden problem, which I think we can call it the Biden. They know it's a, it's a challenge. Um I look the your your point about they would all they would all beat Biden today uh, I think that that's well taken but we have to keep reminding ourselves the election is almost a year away and a lot will change between now and then the democrat machine is ruthless efficient well oiled and sometimes it cheats so there's going to be stuff going on that we can't necessarily account for right now that all said there are a couple of things that we've seen float in the last few days. First of all, the replace Biden stuff is now down to a whimper. I'm, I'm hearing very little of it, Um and that can change. It goes in waves, but right now it seems there was a little bit of a surge of Biden needs to to step down, and it has changed for the Democrat media too. Here's why Biden. Did you see this in the New York uh, New York Magazine? This is the big headline on New York Magazine. President Biden too old to campaign hard, but still able to govern, claiming he can't do the job is just false. That's the headline for this Jonathan Chaitlin.
4: Well, and this ties in with MSNBC this morning that I wanted to make sure we could play, because you are seeing now a pivot from, yes, Biden is old, and yes, he's decrepit, but actually the truth of the matter is now, it's so funny. Now the argument is, they tried to make this argument on MSNBC this morning. Joe Biden is actually doing something that your average 45 year old could not. And let me just say, I'm 44, so I am here. Buck, do you think that I could do Joe Biden's job from a physical and mental perspective?
5: I mean, you would, you would love being president so much that I think you would do this show run out kick and be president (laughs) and think that that was fine. (laughs) You're, you're, Clay is the energizer bunny.
4: But so, you also, do you think that you could do the physical and mental job of
5: being president of the United States? You are 41, is that right? I mean, Trump just said last week I'd be a great CIA director. Yes. So, I mean, let's be real. So, president, so we no, no are problem. right
4: around, we are right around the age at which this gentleman on MSNBC said, you know, the 45-year-old couldn't do the job. Ju- just listen to this. This is now the new argument is, actually, All of the physical and mental failures that you see on a daily basis from Joe Biden, that's actually not representative. He's doing things that the average 45-year-old couldn't.
2: Listen. None of us can comprehend the weight of the presidency every hour of every day. And as he would tell you if he were here today, it's amazing how every country in the world looks to the United States for help, for solutions, for just almost anything you can think of. Every single every, day. Every but you read every newspaper day. in the country, read every newspaper in the country about President Biden. Within the first two paragraphs, they'll point out he's in his eighties. No kidding. Mm-hmm. He knows how old he is. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Someone 45 years of age couldn't do what he does yeah. every day, but he does it. This is just a lie, Buck.
4: I feel one billion percent confident that I could do the job that Joe Biden does every day. And I would ask all of you out there, I would actually flip this. How many people out there listening to us right now that are working full time, could Joe Biden do your job? Joe Biden couldn't do my job. Joe Biden couldn't do your job, Buck. Joe Biden, I don't think, could could do the vast majority of the people listening to us right now job on a daily basis.
5: But you're assessing that based on his energy, cognition, ability to focus, and all that. What I think is so interesting about the Jonathan Chait headline New York Magazine piece is that it is, I believe, in line with what I've been saying. This is, is what scares it, me.
4: This is your it, argument.
5: It is not Biden. It is the Democrat apparatus that reigns. And so everybody kind of knows that. The notion that he can still govern. I mean, let, let's be honest. If Joe Biden didn't appear before the press didn't take, which he doesn't do very often anyway, Correct. and decided he he was going to cut back on his speeches, what would we really know about what he's doing and what decisions he's making versus what the advisors around him, including very prominent former Obama advisors, including former President Obama himself, what would we know about who's really calling the shots? This starts to feel like one of these old medieval kingdoms, Yes. Where the king is being kept, sort of in the in the living quarters, and people just come out like the the mayor of the palace or the queen or whomever comes out with pronouncements with his signature on them. You're like, well, who's actually in charge here? I think they realize Biden's not really going to be in charge, uh, and certainly not going to stay the four for uh, the full four years, and so that's all baked in.
4: Yeah, this is where your argument is that the president doesn't really matter that much and that i think is scary to a lot of people out there listening that the apparatus which props up the president allows the government to effectively be run even if the president himself or herself for that matter isn't physically up to the job and there's certainly buck as you've mentioned before there have been historical analogies where you could go back and look and say oh Someone else was clearly uh, clearly running everything, and we know that that was going on. Woodrow Wilson back in the day, for instance. But I think this is what scares a lot of people, is the idea that it just doesn't even matter who is actually in charge at all, and that you could be in that situation. Um And I think you're right. I, I think basically, implicitly, you're going to start to see a lot of these arguments. Okay, Joe Biden can't do the job. But he's still better than Donald Trump would be.
5: Yeah, because they're really going to be telling everybody that essentially you're not voting for, for Biden the person. You know, that's the, right. I call it the apparatus around him. And so that then makes everybody more, you know, everyone who's a Democrat more comfortable with the idea. And then you say, well, Buck, but that's only going to work for straight-down-ticket Democrat voters, sure, I I think it will. They're going to do the Trump, and we have some of these cuts. Trump is Hitler. They're already saying this stuff. They're already making the Hitlerian comparisons um, for what Donald Trump says, is, does. And beyond that, in the swing states, I really just believe they're going to focus on uh, on a couple of issues threats to democracy abortion and then use early voting and their turnout mechanisms to try to just grind it out and effectively replay 2020 i think that's the strategy i think they're moving toward that clay at some level because the we're just going to indict this guy and and tie him up in knots that way and that will destroy him i could be wrong and the polling suggests you and i are both wrong on this the current polling But I just, I don't believe that that's going to work. I don't think that's going to happen.
4: I think a good sign that they're panicked on this is that they don't want cameras in the courtroom. If they really thought that Trump on trial was going to be beneficial, remember, they have no moral compass here. They insisted on primetime January 6th political hearings and brought in Hollywood producers to try to make them as fantastically gripping from a narrative perspective as they could, if they truly thought that Trump was going to suffer from being on camera inside of the courtroom beginning in March, in theory, for those Jan 6-related charges, they would roll in the most sophisticated camera operation in a courtroom that you have ever seen. I think implicitly when you see Jack Smith and company arguing against there being cameras in the courtroom – That's because they're recognizing that Trump is winning here. And I think the bigger the spotlight on the charges that are being brought against Trump, the more significant he wins. And I think the calculus on that is clear when the Trump people are saying we want uh, cameras. And if you really believe that democracy is at stake, why wouldn't you want as much possible media attention on this court proceeding as you can possibly get? I think because the Jack Smith crew recognizes this is going to look Banana Republic esque, and Trump is going to become a martyr for many people out there, and it's a super negative. And that, you know, I started off, Buck, saying I think the storyline has shifted to Biden so weak we're not focused on electability. I still think the number one pivot change in the Republican primary, if the Biden administration never charges Trump. What does the Republican race look like right now? I think Trump is far weaker if he has never been charged by Biden. And I I don't know, maybe this DeSantis is, or Haley are, you know, within shouting distance
5: right now. This is what I was talking about yesterday a little bit, which is if you look between if you look at the the polls from today and stretch back to uh the first indictment, so going back whatever it is, 6 7 months, I forget when the first indictment was, uh Where has Trump lost a lot of Where has he lost a lot of ground Where have Trump supported Where have people that were saying in June of 2023 I'm for Trump What has the moment been since then Where they've said In large numbers okay, I I don't need one person But where you can see it in terms of data They've gone away from him Yeah, I, I just think it has solidified The indictments have solidified his support Is that a controversial statement to anybody I think even the Democrats recognize that
4: no, I don't think that's controversial at all. I think, look, there are people out there listening to us right now. Again, I've said you know, 50-50 electorate in the Republican primary right now, 50% Trump, 50% others. There are many of you out there listening to us right now who voted Trump in 16 and in 20 and prefer Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis or Vivek or some other candidate right now. But the number of people who since the indictments have happened, in you know June or July in the summer of 2023 that have since said I'm off the Trump train that were on the Trump train before I think is low now are some of those people wobbly maybe and that's the argument that the DeSantis and the Nikki Haley camp would make and they're saying and we're going to prove it to you with what happens in the Iowa caucus where I think they believe Trump is vulnerable is he well we're 2 months out and so far as I have seen No poll has shown that Trump is actually in danger of losing in Iowa. Maybe he is. And that would certainly be a seismic alteration to the calculus right now of the race. But so far, those numbers, if they are there, have not been revealed in any public poll that I have seen, where Trump has maintained pretty much consistently a 20-plus point lead in Iowa from the moment they first started to poll. We'll take some of your calls, 800-282-2882. A lot to discuss as as we come up on basically two months until the first votes start to be cast in the Iowa caucus. Guys, look, i got a life hack for you. It's called chalk. Daily supplements made with natural ingredients to give you a boost. The chalk male vitality stack formulated to replenish diminished amounts of testosterone in a man's body. Our T-levels are what give us our stamina and drive. When those go south, you feel it. But if you think chalk's male vitality stack is unnecessary you really haven't dove into it at all yet and so you right now need to go ahead and jump in and make sure that you are hooked up right now get hooked up today with chalk.com you can save 35 percent off any subscription for life i wish we could send a bevy of this to joe biden maybe he doesn't need it according to everybody on msnbc joe biden has the testosterone of a hundred men combined he doesn't need any energy any vim any vitality any vigor at all in his life but if you disagree, uh, maybe you just try out Chalk yourself. Start feeling good again. All natural Chalk supplement. 35% off subscriptions for life. Go to choq.com. That is choq.com. And use my name, Clay, for 35% off for life. Helping you separate truth from fiction every single weekday. The Clay, Travis, and Buck
3: Sexton Show.
2: Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief
0: mix, and crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, ultra-thick multi-surface cleaner, no more sponges or other cleaning products needed, and Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No
6: purchase
4: necessary. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Welcome back in, Clay Travis Buck
4: Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Buck, I'm so fired up about this Trump is Hitler thing. I I really thought. And you can say, Clay, you're an imbecile, you're an idiot, you should have known better, you moron. All those things would be very valid. I really thought when Hamas attacked 1,200, 1,300, whatever the number ends up being. Innocent Israelis murdered them. And then a bunch of Democrat congressmen and women came out and defended Hamas. They're still doing it, demanding a ceasefire. There's no uh, way that they can support Israel's response. I thought to myself, there's no way they can call Trump Hitler. In fact, on Wednesday of last week, six days ago, we were at Mar-a-Lago, and many of you out there listening right now will remember I specifically asked Trump about his response to October 7th and what he thought, not as the former president of the United States and potentially the future president of the United States, but as a grandfather of Jewish grandchildren and someone with a Jewish daughter now. Ivanka Trump has uh, has uh, converted, changed her uh, her religious affiliation, so because the. The bloodline for people out there who don't know tends uh, runs in the Jewish faith through the woman, and so her kids are all being raised Jewish. She's now
5: Jewish as well. She's converted. The idea to, that uh, you twenty-three could... and me, by the way, I am fifteen percent Ashkenazi Jewish.
4: Oh, is that true? Yes. Yeah. Now, is it on your mother's side or your father's side? Do you know
5: mother's them? side?
4: So you're Jewish.
5: Uh, partially, yeah.
4: For per no no, for purposes of the Jewish faith, it runs through the mother's uh, bloodline. Um, I became an expert on this when I went to GW, which back in the day was like so, you know. So 50% if my, if my great
5: grandmother on one side was Jewish, then I'm Jewish. I think that would be the case, right? Well, then Mazel Tov. Okay.
4: It, well, I mean, right? I, I mean, yeah, there are many people you can call us, and if you are an expert in uh, in the the how the Jewish faith is passed, but I believe if you have a a woman in your background who would have been Jewish. That it would have kept passing through the female line and you would be able to consider yourself to be Jewish, uh, as we are speaking today. I think that's true. Somebody can call in and, and, tell me if I'm wrong. And the reason why I knew this buck is because I was, I'm not Jewish, uh, but I may have dated Jewish girls, uh, at GW and the many people out there who want to, uh, uh Jewish guys are held to sometimes a different standard about who they marry, because the question is, okay, are the kids going to be Jewish or not? And if the girl is Jewish, then the kids are Jewish. Anyway, so that's my understanding. But the idea that you would be able, and obviously people convert all the time, and there are lots of different ways that, that also people can become members of the Jewish faith, all those things. But, and unlike Democrats, we're actually defending Israel's right to defend its people. The idea that you could, while many Democrats are still out there defending Hamas, while there are protests all around the world arguing that Palestine should be free from the river to the sea, when there are university campuses where Jewish students don't feel comfortable, when there are many places in the United States where Jewish people feel very uncomfortable right now when they're going to synagogue or when they're just going about their day-to-day existence, The idea that you could accuse Trump of being Hitler-like is so foreign to any realm of rational thought. I would actually love to hear from our Jewish listeners right now. When you hear an attack like that, you may have even been willing to at some point accept it in the past. Doesn't it ring particularly hollow in this universe in which we are living right now? when the biggest attack upon Jews since the Holocaust just happened, and when many Democrats have lined up to support Palestine and Hamas and argue that Israel does not have the right to defend itself. Of all the times to attack Trump and say he is Hitler-like, I'm not sure there has ever been a less apropos moment given the historical context than right now.
5: Can we play the, this is what, this is what has gotten the media into their Trump is Hitler news cycle, which they are in the midst of right now. And it is uh, where he made the vermin. He made a comment about vermin. Can we play this guys play it?
3: With your help, your love and your vote, we will put America first. And today, especially in honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day, we pledge to you that we will root out The communists, Marxists, fascists and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country that lie and steal and cheat on elections
4: and will do anything possible. They'll do anything,
3: whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and to destroy the American dream. The real threat is not from the radical right. The real threat is from the radical left, and it's growing every day, every single day. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within.
5: I just also don't know if I really want to get lectured about overheated political rhetoric from a Democrat party that I remember under this president, and this president was saying it, was accusing you of being a murderer if you wouldn't get a shot. That was entirely worthless for stopping the spread of a virus that we now know was actually, at that point, not a big deal.
4: I agree with everything Trump just said in that statement. I think it was actually very well said. I mean, the biggest threat to America right now is internal. There are people trying to destroy, actively on the left in this country, trying to destroy the very fabric of American life. I I don't even... like. Sometimes there are things that people say, and I'm like, hmm, that could be a little bit controversial. I can see why people would react in that manner or method to it. There's nothing that Trump said that I disagree with in that statement. I don't even think most of you out there listening, regardless of who you are supporting in the 2024 primary, would listen to that and say, okay, that's like particularly inflammatory. And again, I would just point out, and I would love to hear from our Jewish listeners about how this registers with them, how in the world do you accuse someone of being Hitler-like when there are legitimate elements of the left in this country calling for the extermination of Jews? Uh, it is, it, like, is, it is the Democrat
5: like. Party. I mean, to the point you're making, it is the Democrat Party that provides safe harbor, including in the United States Congress, for people who um, are supportive of and make common cause with Hamas. That is what is Correct. going on right now. That is what we have seen. It is the Democrat party. It is young Democrats on college campuses who are marching around in solidarity with Hamas after the worst, at- the worst terrorist attack the world has seen since 9-11. That is what just occurred. It is the worst single terror attack since 9-11 conducted by barbarians, um, as part of this Hamas terrorist entity. And you have college kids marching around acting like they're freedom fighters. You know, it's like George Washington, just a little different. They're idiots. That's-
4: at my university, they would said uh, support for the martyrs on the campus library wall. They've done that in a was, few places. Yeah, yeah, which was built by Holocaust survivors. That's who gave the money. And can you even point, this is a challenge to everybody out there, can you even point to a Republican office holder who has in any way endorsed Hamas or suggested that Israel doesn't have the right to defend itself? I haven't seen a single Republican. We just had the debate on Wednesday uniformly. I thought that the responses to questions relating to Israel were phenomenal from every Republican candidate on the stage. I can't point to someone who's run for statewide office or holds a prominent elected office in the United States right now who's a Republican that has said anything other than Israel has the right to defend itself and should wipe Hamas off the face of the earth based on the terror attack that they were just uh, a victim of. I I, I haven't seen anybody. So all of the time I thought the Trump-as-Hitler comparisons were absurd and didn't really land. But of all the times to make them, I would think, again, open phone lines, 800-282-2882, if you are Jewish and you are listening to us right now, What does it say that the left in the media right now is not calling anyone who is defending Hamas modern day versions of Hitler? They're calling Donald Trump modern day version of Hitler because he wants to root out people trying to destroy America from the inside?
5: Here, this is cut, this is cut nine. Uh, it is CNN's Caitlin Collins sounding the alarm over Trump's Hitlerian verbiage. Play nine.
4: It's language that echoes that of Hitler and Mussolini. But tonight, Donald Trump's campaign is defending how he called his political opponents vermin.
6: Trump appears to be reading from the
4: prompter, not ad-libbing those remarks, where he vowed to root out his political opponents like vermin.
1: He also posted the same language on social media, making it clear he meant it.
5: Oh, no. Oh, gosh. What will we ever do? We're gonna go through. This is gonna be a whole thing, a whole thing. But I don't think, I don't think it registers,
4: Buck. This is my thing. Like, I don't think this at this particular point in time. I don't think there's anyone with a functional brain that buys into this.
5: It doesn't register now. Wait till all the networks and all the late night shows and you know everybody all of a sudden in the Democrat apparatus is running January six footage constantly and Trump walking in and out of uh, of court constantly. And I, I don't know. I just. I hope you're right. I mean, right now, to me, it just seem, it seems pathetic, but is that enough? We'll see. Right, let's talk about something positive here. The Preborn Network of Clinics, they're amazing. They're a nationwide effort set up to help pregnant mothers contemplating a difficult decision, life for their unborn child or an abortion. This nonprofit organization is not new. They've been around for 17 years doing this godly work, and today they're likely to save the lives of about 200 unborn children. That's 200 little babies, in 24 hours. They accomplish this by providing free ultrasounds to the women visiting their clinics. That experience, along with counseling and support for up to two years after the birth of their child, is making that decision for life much more likely. They rely on donations from individuals like you and me, the pro-life community. Preborn has a 100% charity rating, so you can give with confidence. If you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? Your tax-deductible donation of $5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours, helping to rescue 200 babies. To donate, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby, or donate securely at preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn.
3: Have fun with the guys on Sundays. The Sunday Hang podcast. It's silly, it's goofy, it's good times. Find it in the Clay and Buck podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: So I mentioned this before. Um we we've uh, been playing some different audio for you over the last few weeks of people who Really tend to get it. I mean, we've been giving Doug Murray some high fives for excellent analysis of the uh, Israel-Hamas war, for example, and and just seeing through a, a lot of the nonsense, a lot of the uh, absurd things that people are saying to try to create a moral equivalency that is just not it's not rooted in reality. Um, and you know, I, I think it's I think it's important that we also show when there are people who are aligned with the other side and won't give straight answers and and will engage in uh, some kind of prevarication, maybe even a little bit of cowardice when they're pushed. Listen to this. this. So Jeremy Corbyn is like the uh far left, most famous far left politician, I think, in the U.K. right now. I mean, he is like the, is he a socialist? I don't, I don't follow U.K. politics that well, but I know he's, and the guy's basically a commie. Uh, I'm trying to pull up his specific designation right now. He's a member of Parliament in the U.K., leader of the opposition, leader of the Labour Party from 2015 to 2020. So he's he's like the Nancy Pelosi of the United Kingdom, except an even bigger communist. And uh, there you have it. Here is Piers Morgan pushing this guy on. A, this is such a straightforward question. Is Hamas a terrorist group? Play it.
6: Can we have a discussion? Can you call them a terrorist? Can we have a discussion? Can you call them a terrorist? Is it possible to have a rational discussion? Are you with prepared you? to call is Hamas a have, terror group? Is it possible to have a rational discussion? You can't, discussion can you? With you? Is it possible? Come on, answer that you question. You can't, can you? You answer it. No, it's my okay. show, you answer my question. Well, are Hamas, you are, the, you are the, Hamas a terror group? Listen, can I? Are they a terror group? Piers, are, can I? Speak? Answer the question. Can I speak? Are they a terror group? Piers, Piers no, if, you me, man, no. if you let me speak... Are I'll they leave. a terror group? If you'll let me speak, Piers. I'll say something. Go on, then. A ceasefire means both sides... You said that. Are they a terror group? Listen, I said that... Because Are they that a terror group? Part ...of the process. Are they a terror and group? And it will... Oh. Can we go... Why can't you say it? Piers, can we go through what... Ought to be happy just answer my question why do you think our Hamassa in the world are calling for a ceasefire why a terror group. come on ask that me it? no you
5: on so your show you've got so
6: many opinions why should I answer yours when you won't answer mine
5: it is a, is a yes or no question and that guy wasn't going to answer it because if he says yes he knows that the far left labor support think when you think of labor think of like you know the AOC wing of of the U.S., I mean, the, the most left-wing stuff uh in the U.K., Clay, he won't answer because he'll make them all angry at him, but if he doesn't say Hamas is a terror group, it's like, oh, so you're okay with Hamas and what it just did? That's perfect.
4: Uh Piers Morgan, I mean, even though there's obviously... Con- conflict is good sometimes because it is enlightening to reveal what people actually believe. And I don't think there's anything that you can point to on the right that would be akin to that, right? I I was thinking about this when I watched the clip, Buck. In other words, if I went on a television show, I don't think there's any question I could be asked that is basic like that, that we all know is true, that someone on the right wouldn't answer. But I think there are a lot of things that the left knows are untrue that because of their identity politics coalition and how corrupt it is, they won't answer. And I'll give you a good example. There isn't a single person on the left in this country who can explain why it is heroic to change your gender, but it's racist to change your race. They can't answer that. You could sit down with anybody. If Joe Biden would ever come on this show, I don't think Joe Biden could even answer. Joe Biden. You've said many times, it is very courageous, some of the bravest people you know, even Joe Biden, you said are kids who decide that they're a different sex than what they were born. You said that's brave, you said that's courageous. Why Why would it be racist for them to decide that they're a different race than what they were born? To me, you can ask certain questions that go to the very heart of what the left claims to stand for in america today and around the world in many respects in western democracies and they can't speak truthfully this is this is like at espn Buck. if most people at espn won't say that men shouldn't compete against women in athletics they won't say it they all know that shouldn't happen They won't answer it. And that to me is very illuminating when you get asked a question that is very much the essence of what you believe and you won't answer it honestly. It's a sign of the failure of the party. And I think what it represents is that identity, identity politics destroys everything that it touches because eventually logic corrupts it. And I think that clip is fantastic for that reason.
5: Yes. Well, and, and if you can't, if you can't answer the most straightforward questions about a belief that you have that is pa- passionately held. I think it's worth asking why. And then we have, I mentioned the AOC wing. Here's AOC uh, at a, quote, rabbis for ceasefire rally. This is 15. Play it.
6: Ceasefire means there is no military solution, only a diplomatic and cultural solution. Yeah. Yeah. A relational solution, a reckoning with ourselves and our history. That is what ceasefire now means.
5: No, there's a military solution. You're going to have to kill every member of Hamas that was involved in this attack and every part of the leadership. You either imprison them or kill them or else you're going to get hit again. So she's just wrong. I mean, this imagine saying, guys, we don't need to get bin Laden and the al-Qaeda senior leadership and we don't need to shut down the training camps. We need a cultural solution. And we should have a ceasefire after 9-11.
4: Not only 9-11. Imagine right after the we got bombed at Pearl Harbor. I almost said the Germans like it was uh, <laughs> it's a great movie uh, back in the day, Animal House. Uh, after we got bombed at Pearl Harbor by Japan, can you imagine if Franklin Roosevelt had said, uh, you know, instead of today is a day that we'll live in infamy and announced that we will go to war with... Uh, Germany and, and Japan and everybody else. What if he had just said, hey, you know, yes, they just blew up all of our Pacific fleet and it was a completely uh, dastardly, unprecedented attack, but we just have to turn the other cheek. Japan isn't our enemy. Going to war with the Nazis and the uh, imperialist powers in Japan is not going to solve anything. We should just pretend this never happened. I mean, can you imagine where we would be historically? So I don't even think it's just using 9-11. I think any time you are the victim of an unprovoked attack, you have an obligation, a moral responsibility to respond when evil infringes itself upon the health and safety of your population.
5: I mean, you you think that these Democrat politicians and pundits and and professors in this country... Do you think that they'd be able to look face to face at the families of the 1400, including women, children, the elderly babies who were brutally murdered and say, you know, what? we really need right now a ceasefire. You know, I, I think that this is just their posturing for political reasons here um, out of a combination of a few things. Uh, a lot of them, it's a under-the-surface anti-Semitism. It's a misunderstanding of this conflict, which is about civilization versus barbarism. It is not about some dispute over land anymore. Um, and and I think beyond that, uh, they are virtue signaling on the graves of 1,400 dead Israelis. It, it's, it's appalling what they're doing, pretending that somehow Israel is not allowed to defend itself. A ceasefire is is something that is very short, is very temporary usually, um, and what they want is actually an immediate cessation of hostilities, effectively a truce. So what they want is after a mass casualty terror attack, a sneak attack, then the fighting stops. I mean, imagine if someone walked up to you in a bar, punched you in the face, knocked out your teeth and broke your nose, and then said, hold on, let's give peace a chance. That's what they want. Think about it, too, from
4: this perspective, Buck. If you're wondering, okay, some people are just, they're peaceniks, right? Quakers. Quakers are going to be pretty consistent. They're going to say, hey, you know what? I don't believe in war. I don't want to be involved. Do you think any of the AOC contingent, Jamal Bowman, uh, all of that universe that is defending Hamas and defending Palestine, do you think if Israel had invaded the Gaza region and kidnapped hundreds of people and murdered intentionally over a thousand people. And then the Israeli soldiers had gone back to Israel and Hamas had decided that they wanted to respond. Do you think that the AOCs of the world and the Rashida Tlaibs of the world would say, no, we need an immediate ceasefire. A response is not going to solve anything. The problem they have, Buck, is, and this is what identity politics creates. They can't conceive in their minds of how brown people, because that's how they see it, how the Palestinians could be the bad guy. Yeah, because they It's a into racial conflict to them entirely. That's right. and, and there's white an, anti, an anti-white evil.
5: component of the left-wing thinking on this that overrides everything else. That's right. They can't even conceptualize,
4: conceptualize the idea that a minority, a brown person in this situation, could have been the aggressor. And be evil They can't yes, conceive of it amazing they bought into the idea that
5: whiteness equals evil And they they don't understand All these anti-Semites Don't understand that the Jews are Semitic people Yes Meaning from the area And have been for a long time And many of them come from actually What are now Muslim dominated Arab countries Because they were kicked out It is not a country full of guys Who are you know for, Full of people who are all like Jerry Seinfeld. That's what they don't understand.
4: Yeah, and by the way, there are a lot of Jews out there that don't understand how they're seen, right? They see themselves as the oppressed, right? The the minority, because historically, no one has been more oppressed, probably, than the Jewish people throughout the history of humanity. And yet, because many of them are white in appearance, they're the bad guy. And I think there's a lot of Jewish people out there listening to the show right now, and certainly a lot of Jews on the left who are saying, hey, we were there for you with Black Lives Matter. We were there for you with trans awareness and LGBTQ and everything else. We thought we were a part of the team. And what you're seeing is the team turned on itself pretty quickly, and there's an awful lot of people who believe the Jews should be eradicated uh, who are otherwise erstwhile members of the Democrat Party identity class. Look, if you've got old family movies on videotape, now's a perfect time to transfer them to digital files with the help of Legacy Box. Why now? Because you have those digital files to share with family and friends over the holidays next week, Thanksgiving, nine days from now. Do you have plans to get together? I bet you do with a lot of friends and family around Christmas, New Year's. What about giving the gift that will last for generations, digital copies of your family's history? You can get early access to Legacy Box, Black Friday, and Cyber Monday sales price. Right now, you can digitally transfer your tapes for as low as $9 a tape. Single lowest price of the year, 65% off the regular pricing. Don't be the guy that waits until the last minute to get a meaningful gift. I, might confession, have been that guy a lot of the time in my life. That's why I know what I'm talking about. Get hooked up now. Blow away your family by getting a gift before It's even Thanksgiving. No more rushing out on December 23rd or December 24th to grab all your presents. I know a lot of you dudes out there. I know. I know you've done it. I've been there. Get your memories digitized with Legacy Box, and you've got a guaranteed winner come Christmas morning when you take your family and your loved ones down memory lane. Don't worry. Team at Legacy Box in Tennessee works with the best technology and equipment to safely hand transfer every videotape, every old picture you send them. And they'll send all of your originals back along with brand new digital files. All for just $8 tape. It's a great deal. Get started today. Go online to LegacyBox.com slash Clay. One more time, LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Clay.
3: You know them as conservative radio hosts. Now just get to know them as guys on the Sunday Hang podcast with Clay and Buck. Find it in their podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
5: And I'm Skip Bronson. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two.
3: This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever
4: you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll through the day. Craziness, zaniness, wackiness on Capitol Hill I saw this story a little bit earlier. We bring in now Tim Burchett, congressman from Tennessee. And you're going to have to walk us through everything that happened here. But you are, my understanding, thanks for joining us, congressman, my understanding is you are standing in uh, the hallway of the Capitol there doing an interview, and former Speaker Kevin McCarthy comes by and basically hits you right in the kidney with his elbow you think it was intentional.
1: Tell us what happened. This is a crazy story. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Big fan, big fan. I know you live in Nashville. If you ever get to Knoxville, holler at me, brother? Hey, I'm
4: going to be up there, there, Congressman, I'm going to be up there this weekend for the uh, Georgia-Tennessee game, which I was more excited about uh, before the Missouri-Tennessee game. Yeah. Congratulations to Mizzou uh- out there. But I'll be up this weekend.
1: So, I, so was, uh, maybe I'll run into you, brother. But anyway, no, I was standing in the hallway outside of our conference meeting, which is what we call a caucus in Tennessee, but up here in D.C., it's called a conference. And, uh, I was doing a little interview, uh, interview with a lady named Claudia. She's from NPR. She's actually, I haven't even tweeted about it. She put it out. And I guess it went viral and everybody saw it. And, um, she was asking me about the budget situation. And at that time, I get this sharp pain in my kidneys and, and, and I link, I fall forward towards her. And she says, Oh my gosh, I've never seen, I've never ever seen that happen before. And I turned around and it was dadgum McCarthy walking by me. And then I hollered at him and he, like he is, he, um, gutless as he is. He, he had his security detail, which I'm not sure why he has the security detail. He's no longer the speaker. Um, and in tow with him and he kind of turns and doesn't acknowledge me. And then I, so I take off after him and I I was like, well, you know, what the heck are you doing? And he just, and he said, I I didn't do anything. I I don't know what you're talking about. You know? And I said, you do. You just hit me in the, in the, in the kidney. And then he, um, he called me a liar. But then later in the press, he said, well, it was a crowded hall and I bumped into him, which is not true. It's a small hall, but there wasn't anybody and no other. There was. I was standing there by myself. This one very small lady, and um, and now he's he's gone back and said that uh, he didn't. Yeah, you know, first he said they didn't touch me, and then he said, well, I just bumped into him, and then you know, and you know the rest of the story. His, his anger got the best of him. But I think it, though it really, really shows um, his values, and and the, and the reason he should not be in the Speaker of the House. He's the third man in line to be President of the United States, and I. And people are asking if I'm going to bring an ethics charge against him, and other people are talking about it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up here to govern. I'm not here to get into a fight. But uh, honestly, I guess people in Southern California—that's the way they handle things. They come up behind you and sucker punches. You know, in Tennessee, they look you in the eye if they want to fight you, and they'll tell you to your face. And and I think it's just a, a difference in in values. And I think I think. um it's a, It really is a sad asterisk on his life, though, on his his career in, in Congress that he's going to so, go out like
4: So this. you think you think he, he like threw a punch or got, caught you with an elbow in his kid in your kidney from behind because he's mad that you didn't support him as Speaker? Like you think that that that's what that's what motivated this in your mind? I can't imagine there's anything else that you would think would have motivated it.
1: There's 435 of us. Only eight of us voted to to depose him. And, I, and, he's, and he's called me out in the CNN interview where he said, you know, we were just – all of us were just looking for media, which he, of course, called a press conference on CNN to, to tell everybody that we were looking for more media, um, which I found kind of ironic. Uh, you know, I, of course he did it on purpose. There's no other reason. But, I, you know, I'm not I, – like I said, I didn't tweet about it. I didn't run out to the sticks and call a press conference or anything. Um the lady from actually the lady uh, Claudia, if you'll look her name up, Claudia. I can't remember her last name, but you can follow her on X. She um, um, she's the one who who actually uh, put it out on Twitter.
5: All right. Well, we'll speak. I mean, uh, Congressman, thanks for being here. I'm wondering if we could just ask your your opinion of how it's going with the new speaker, Mike Johnson, so far. There's talk about the possibility of a government shutdown again, and the budget, and all this yeah. stuff. Is the new speaker I, better than the old speaker? I assume because the new speaker hasn't elbowed you in the ribs recently, probably is a yes yeah, for you.
1: I, I, he's a good man. Um, and the lady's name is, is, you can get it if you want to follow her on Twitter, C-G-R-I-S-A-L-E-S, C-G-R-I-S-A-L-E-S. C. Um, She's the one who tweeted about it, and it's very accurate what she says. No, you know, here's the deal. Speaker Johnson had the budget for two weeks. Kevin McCarthy's had it since January, and he told he chose to jam us by taking the entire month of August off. And get this, the end of the fiscal year is September 30th. And then we took off the first two weeks in September. Under Pelosi, we always took off the month of August. It was, it was constituent work at home. People go on their vacations, what have you. I work more when I'm home than I do in Washington. And so um, – you know and here's johnson's got two weeks to decide to do this thing he's kind of between a rock and a hard place and and continued resolutions or crs as they call them what that was done was it was an emergency situation and what and, and in 30 years that's what we've continued to do it's an ambulance service that we've used as a um you know as a mode of public transportation in congress and it's wrong because what they do is you, you don't have budget hearings they just load it up with garbage. And then we can it's, we continue the bad policies under, from under Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and we just and we just pass it again. And that's what we're going to end up having to do because we can't get any support out of the Senate, and we don't have enough strength. Um, we don't have enough uh, in the House to push it through. So that's what will end up happening. We need to make some major cuts. We need to fund Israel. We need to not fund them, but help them in their fighting in Hamas. We need to build our wall and we need border security. But this garbage that's coming out of Washington right now is, is not going to do any of that. As a matter of fact, some of the money will actually get to Hamas uh, that's in this budget. Um, and so, um, and, and I'll be voting no.
4: Have you been astounded to see how many Democrats have come out and refused to condemn Hamas, and in fact endorsed in many ways much of their action and the Palestinian defense of it?
1: No, because... It's coming right out of our colleges and universities right now, and it's been coming out for years. This undermining of our country, this Marxist mentality. My friend AOC, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, she is my friend. We don't agree on a dadgum thing. But she's openly a Marxist. Well, she was educated in public in a public school. Her college she, and her degree was get this was economics. So, she is a, um, you know, she's a, a product of that, and that's what we're doing. It, We love to give our money to our alma mater's, mine's the University of Tennessee, but you know, we need to put a string on every dollar that we give them because they are just mass producing. Our colleges and universities are mass producing people with a Marxist mentality that literally hate our country, hate our way of life. And, um, and, and, you know, we, we cannot continue down this path. We are going to, we are going to implode from, it'll, it'll happen from the inside. And no, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it's not worse. I mean, Black Lives Matters, You know, University of Tennessee, my alma mater. They all had T-shirts honoring them, and it turns out they stole most of the money. Black Lives Matters did, and um, you know, it's just it just goes down the line, man. You cannot you cannot do this. We cannot continue down this path. So I'm I'm I'm. It's a it's a battle that has been waging for years and years. Yet we are just um, we're just now waking up to it.
5: Congressman, appreciate you being here with us. Um, and, uh, good luck to you, sir. And, you know, make sure you see him sneaking up behind you next time. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, you, you know, I'm used to that. You know, if I'm at a, a ball game or at a tailgate or something, used to, I used, I kind of got my head on a swivel. I'm just not used to it up here, I, but I, but I am now. So someone is going to go
5: elbow on you, sir. Sweep the leg.
1: <laughs> I, I would, give him what they call a Tennessee dog whooping. And that would be, I would take. <laughs>
5: Thank you, sir. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. All right. So at least we got to the bottom of that, and we got to the budget a little bit, Clay. So uh, we'll continue to. Yeah, no doubt. And
4: go Vols up there in uh Tennessee. Big weekend, Buck. Uh, Georgia taking on Tennessee. And by the way, I think we have a clip. That was on the House side. Do want yes. play right now? We have a clip of what also happened on the I, Senate side. I say Should we, we hold it? it. I say okay. we hold it.
5: Because a, a United States senator challenged a witness at a Senate hearing to a fight In the Senate chamber. Yes. That also just says, so things are getting a little rowdy. Uh, people are watching a lot of MMA these days or something. They get a little rowdy on Capitol Hill. We will bring you the latest on this one. I I honestly, uh, it it was like a little hard to believe when you, when you watched this video, uh, when, when you see this play out, but it certainly is one of those moments where you realize, you know, I think people need to, uh, take a little, take a little step back, maybe calm down. Start earning high-yield returns in a low-yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. Choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been qualified with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy markets through their proprietary offerings yielding 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com for an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today for more information.
3: Make an appointment with The Truth. Tune in every day to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show.
5: Hey
0: there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26.
5: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: One of the best
3: shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round.
6: We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal' who was, was on roadie, and uh, mm-hmm. I was coming back on the plane, and he said... Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard
2: him. <laughs> I said, what? and Pepper?
3: Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.